Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. Welcome to Rescuing Churches. This is indeed a great adventure. It's also the official podcast of 614 Ministries, and I'm Josh Givens, as always, joined by 614 Executive Director, my father, Stan Givens' dad. Thanks for being here again. Glad glad to be here as always. Today, yeah, as always. All right, we got a little bit of feedback on the last podcast, um, and let me just pause here and kind of mention briefly, if you ever want to give feedback on any podcast episode that we do, you can do that directly through our email, which is 614 rebuild at gmail.com you can also message us on any of our social media platforms we're on facebook twitter instagram at 614 rebuild um if you remember a little bit from the last episode that we had we were kind of focusing on the health of the church and we were coming out of a conference that we had just attended and uh, we were talking a little bit about how small churches don't have to try to have all that flash and entertainment in order to attract people and they and they shouldn't necessarily strive for that they just need to focus on being healthy internally as the church and uh, and reach the community, disciple their people, have strong growth groups and, and things like that. Um, and I, I wanted to to kind of segue into that a little bit for a moment with you, Dad, and allow you to um, flesh some of that out. Are you concerned about churches going that route, going towards fancy lighted stages and dark you know, sanctuaries and, and things of nature, that nature. Is that a, is that a worry for you? It is if it's for the wrong reasons. And there are tons of churches that probably need to think very carefully uh, about what the purpose of that is and how that works. We, we just got back from a second conference in uh, Tennessee, Tennessee, in Georgia, um, Villarica, Georgia, uh, with Midway Baptist Church, fantastic church at, uh, in Villarica, West Georgia, um, had a great conference and a great time there. And they have made the transition from a traditional Baptist church to a very contemporary church, you know, darkened sanctuary, stadium seating, uh, incredible light show, beautiful set of screens, all magnificently done. And, um, but that transition cost them, you know, what the pastor says is seven years of chaos and they were a larger church, Mm -hmm. um, already. Um, so they could endure seven years of chaos (laughs) to get to where now they're even a larger church. That must be nice. (laughs) And they've grown. Yes. But smaller churches really need to think through the cost of that and, and the need for that. Sure. I, I want to reemphasize what we said in the last podcast. Um, I think there's some uh, churches that are doing a great job with their transitions and with uh, making the sanctuary contemporary feel and bringing in the light shows and all that. Um, if they're not doing it for entertainment purposes, 
then they get, you know, five stars by me. If they're just trying to entertain, now we've got a problem. The the worship team is there to worship the Lord, not to entertain. And I really, really want to focus on, want churches to focus on the purpose of why we're doing these things mm-hmm. and what we're trying to accomplish. We're a much smaller church. And so a few years ago, um, we just decided our stage was dull. Right. It really is was right. dull. I remember. And, yeah. And so, you know, we went down to the local, you know, store, um, Guitar Center, I think is where we got ours. And, oh, yeah. you know, paid a hundred bucks for this little light bar that's really cool. And yeah. You can hook up a little machine to it. Yeah. <laughs> makes it change colors, you know, and we shine that on our back wall. It doesn't move. It doesn't rotate. It doesn't flash. Very fancy that. for us. Yeah, but it actually gave us a little color wash on the back wall. And so at different seasons of the year, we can change the color wash if we want to. Uh, and then over time, we've added a little piece here and there. Um, nothing very expensive. As a matter of fact, very, very, very inexpensive stuff that we've right. added. Amazon, you know, helped us buy some little lights that worked at some point. We put them in columns. Mm-hmm. And it created some color on our stage. Um the purpose of it wasn't to try to entertain anybody. The purpose, We really weren't trying to reach millennials by doing that. Right. We were just trying to get the stage to feel a little more contemporary, a little more like you know the younger generation that we want to reach, and we're trying to help the stage feel fresh, right? not old. Yeah. And our churches, our building is quite old. So those minor changes helped us, but they were not designed to make us a better church, um, you know, it didn't help us with evangelism, discipleship, or any of that. And <clears throat> I think you have to get that stuff in order. I think priority-wise, you have to think through some of that. Um, and I know some big, big churches that are doing a great job with their sounds and lights. I, I think Midway, where we were uh, just a few weeks ago, is doing a great job. Um, and they preach a very sound gospel. Their small groups are very effective. We got to interact with some people in their small groups. Oh, yeah. And very effective. Right. So, so I'm, I'm saying that's all good. It's, we just don't need to get caught up in this movement. What I fear at that big conference like that is all these smaller churches get there and they go, Oh, what we need is one of those. Right. If we had a, because it was so in your face. I mean, I I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, you know, it it was a little bit when you're in that and caught up in it, it's easy to think that's what you've got to have because that, that was what we were all, feeling and seeing so big at the moment was the the hype, right, the energy. Right. the And I've been to a bunch of those. I know oh, yeah. it's one of your first conferences, but it, I've been to a bunch of those. Oh, yeah. And as a small pastor, you look at it and think, wow. If we only had. Yeah, we could just have one of those. <laughs> but it's really not that that makes a church healthy right, right. or strong. Um, and you have to get your brain around that as a small church. You have to yep. say, what is this church doing that actually gave them the ability to make those changes? Absolutely. How did they get to the place where they could, one, financially make them, you know, two, uh, where they could actually relationally make those? And you remember I had a conversation with the pastor. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, the, in the lobby, he and I had a, a pretty lengthy conversation to say, when you made this transition and it cost you leadership, elders right. and deacons were struggling with some of this in families. Mm-hmm. How did you know when was the relationally proper time to make the transition as God led you that you knew it was going to cost you some and save you some others? Because yeah. that's a very big challenge. Yeah. And it's a big change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So every time a church makes a change of something aesthetically, especially people get their feelings hurt, they get offended, Mm -hmm. uh, they get troubled by it, and you have to work through that. I totally understand that. 
Um, but the issue becomes, what's the health issue of the church? Right. And that's what I'm wanting to see churches do in in this substance versus show as we talk about it, is have the right substance. Right. Let's make sure that you're training your church members to disciple people. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's very, very unusual for a church to actually disciple well, I think. Right. If we were discipling well, we wouldn't be in decline. 86% of churches in America <laughs> exactly. would not be in decline if we had <laughs> yeah. discipled well. Right. So clearly we haven't been doing something yeah, wrong. We wouldn't be while. talking about half of what we're discussing. Yeah, and we wouldn't have a ministry need. Exactly. There'd be no need to revitalize churches because <laughs> exactly. they'd be fine. So we haven't discipled well. We we haven't uh we haven't trained our people to evangelize, to be able to share the gospel in unique relational moments to build relationships in order to share the gospel. I don't think most churches have done a good job at that. Mm -hmm. And small or large, I don't think they have. And so it's going to require us to get back to the real core healthy stuff. I agree. Then we can add lights and sound systems and, you know, get, you know, great singing team up there. Right. Um, But also have, have issues with trying to be too much of that. Sure. You know, I I think you got to be real careful when a church wants to, to be the impressive ones, uh, rather than just say, "Hey, we're just trying to worship God," and right. we're going to do and, it with. And I, I agreed with what you said too. Um, at one point, I, I, I can't remember if it was when you, if you mentioned it in the last episode, or maybe when you just mentioned it to me, was that, um, especially for a lot of smaller churches, and and this is an interesting point, um, but but this is true of the larger churches too. If you create that, um kind of that uh, wow factor with, with all that stuff. Once you create it and it draws a bunch of people in, then you got to keep it. Yeah. Um, because if there's a bunch of people that came in just for that, you know. That's the only reason they're there. That's why they're there. <laughs> and, and if you're doing something real flashy or whatever sort of entertainment level, not worship, right? then every week's got to be that entertainment yeah. level. There's, there's got to be that high there every week because they're, they're expecting that when they get there. And, if and it, you have to demand it of a staff. Yep. And the staff that wears stressed. your staff yeah. out, and, all yeah. And, and 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 if it's not there, then you know you have some people that feel you know let down when they show up because it wasn't as good as last week and all that. So um, I've heard you kind of preach on the awe factor of Acts chapter two before. What what exactly is that when when you refer to the awe factor? That you know you mention that from the pulpit all the time. What yeah, do you mean I've, by that? I've meditated on that for a very long time. Matter of fact, my first year here at Northside, um, because I was a new pastor. New to being lead pastor, I thought I just needed to dive into Acts chapter 2 and study it and work on it um, to know more about it. And so I did, and I got sort of overwhelmed by the fact that according to Acts chapter 2, the people, the community, was in awe of what was happening in in the actual community. Uh, it says, and all came upon every soul in Acts 2.43. All came upon every soul. Uh, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And when you study the, 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 what's happening to the church, they're having daily Bible studies, lots of fellowship. They're eating together. There's all this community stuff happening. The church is being added to every day. The Lord's adding to the numbers every day. So this church is really healthy and strong, brand new, but really healthy and strong. No expensive screens, no. Yeah, <laughs> we don't, I don't even think they had any of that. So, yeah, yeah. so you no go fancy, back, no but you go, what is the awe factor right. in there? Because it says they were in awe. Yeah. And uh, I, I always like what Bill Hobble said. I know there have been some challenges with him recently, but I used to love what he said. At his, I learned a lot from him in his early years of the conferences we went to. 
Uh, and he said, it's not like, oh, she's not going to sing again, is she? <laughs> right. <laughs> or, oh, we're not going to take another offering. It's not that kind of awe factor. Yep. It's literally in awe of what God was doing. Right. And the awe that's in that passage, um, I finally got an understanding on it from a really old sermon. I wish I could remember the reference to that sermon, but it's in one of my classic sermon books um, uh, where it was saying that the people were in awe of what the church people were becoming Mm -hmm. and it drew them to God. And so as the church, the people of the Jerusalem church were doing church work together, which is loving people well, loving each other and loving the community, love the lost, love your neighbors yourself, love each other. When they were obeying the commands, the great commandment and the great commission, people were in awe of that. And it changed how that community responded. The community now was interested in them. Um, and it wasn't hard for somebody to go into the community and say, hey, you need to come see what's happening at First Church of Jerusalem or whatever they called it. Um, you need to come hang out with our small group because it's amazing. Mm. And then and then you would learn that they've gone from, you know, these people have gone from sort, sort of a selfish lifestyle to a selfless lifestyle. We're sharing stuff with one another. We're, we're giving to one another. Um, and so the fellowship and the teaching and the spiritual growth in the individuals that join the church really started a viral conversation um, in the community that something's going on. And that viral conversation could happen today in any good church that was actually doing something that was awe-worthy. What does that, what does that look like? What would you say? How does, how I, does think it's, I think it's loving people really, really well mm-hmm. in physical ways. I think you love a community. You love a neighborhood. We're trying to love our neighborhood right down the street. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a while for us to break the ice to that and get in there and make that happen. But we're going to love that neighborhood to, to the point they know if they have a need, call us. We can help us. If, right. if there's a single mom in the neighborhood down the street from us that's that's got a babysitting need, I'd like them to call Northside and say, I've just got an emergency call. got to get to work in 30 minutes. Is there anybody at Northside that could run by and sit with my kids for the next couple hours? Right. Um, if, if there's a, a an elderly lady that needs something to cared for with her yard or needs a ride to a mechanic, you know, drop her car off, I'd like them to call us. Um, so I think somehow you got to get your your presence into a community so that the neighborhood knows, the people near your church know, they're the people that'll help you. They're the mm-hmm. people that care for us. That's what Christ taught his disciples to do. Care for the people around you. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that can go viral pretty quick. I think when that's actually done, uh, people, the Lord adds to the number of the church. That's what it says in the book of Acts. When right, they were actually right. doing that, well, the, last verse, the last verse in Acts 2 says, and the Lord added to right. their numbers. Well, and, it's an, and it's infectious too. I mean, just just any anything like that, any kind of movement like that, where there's you know um, joy and love, is going to be um, people are going to be curious about it. They're going to want to come check it mm-hmm. out. Um, what what are some guidelines that you would recommend to help ministry teams kind of move in a healthy direction? And kind of in, in thinking through all that. Well, I think you have to take some serious looks at the health of your church, and I think you have to. As a pastor and especially a leadership team, if there's two or three of you, uh, even if you're just a bivocational pastor and there's a couple of guys on staff or a couple of helpers, a couple of deacons, uh, just some people trying to help you, you sit down and you say, let's really evaluate the health of our church. Um, 
one, do our people understand what the gospel is? That's got to be crystal clear. Right. Um, two, do we value the word of God at its highest? Have, have we honored uh, the teaching that the word of God is our answer and that it's an it's the authority of God that we stand on. We stand on the authority of the word of God. It's the only answer we need and we got to study it. <clears throat> and then you also got to just look at the other health factors. Um, the spiritual spiritual health of your of your older saints um you know are are they are they healthy enough to share the gospel you know could could the what you would consider older saints and I don't necessarily mean by age I mean people have been saved for a very long time mm-hmm. can they share the gospel one question but then are they sharing the gospel right cuz some people can and won't right that's unhealthy so now we got to fix that we got to address that um do they even love lost people you know, some churches could care less about. Matter of fact, I've been in churches where the point of church seems to be in Sunday schools, especially in Sunday school classes and small groups. Let's get together and talk bad about the culture out there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the culture we're trying to save. Yep. We actually should love them, exactly. not talk bad about them. Even though there's a lot of bad you can say about them, Jesus died for them. So I think you got to evaluate: Is my church? willing to love lost people. If not, I've got to preach a ton of sermons on it, but that's not the best way. I've got to model what it means to love lost people. I got to get up against lost people, you know, whether I'm, you know, visiting rehabs or nursing homes or uh boys and girls clubs or whatever I can do, walking in my neighborhood and meeting people that are, you know, lost, I've as a pastor and leader, I've got to be loving lost people. And I got to model what it means to love lost people into the kingdom and and hold that as a high value. And then you internally, you want to look at your church and say, um, do we love one another well? How well do our people love each other? And I, I think that can get a little fuzzy for mm-hmm. um, pastors at time. Uh, I think you, pastors can look at that and say, oh, we're a very loving church. Everybody knows everybody and we get along great. But when you really start looking close at that, it may be that the love you're experiencing is the Sunday morning we all know each other. We take our prayer requests from Sunday school class and we check out. But during the week, we never check on each other. Yeah. We don't go to each other's homes during the week. Mm-hmm. It's just a one Sunday, once a month, once a week thing if you're there that week. Yeah. And it's not as as valuable as the we really do know each other. We're deeply connected. And I know your needs and I know your heart's desires and I know the longings of your heart. I know the desires you have. I also know the struggles you have with your temptations. It's that deeper fellowship that comes in a healthy small group accountability kind of thing. Mm. And I think you evaluate those and and kind of decide, you know, what, what do we need to address next? That's good. How are churches losing that battle? Is there any advice you would have along those lines? Well, yeah, I think... Um, you know, Tom Rayner shared in that last seminar where we got in Villarica, he shared a really good understanding that uh, in the in the past, back in the 90s and early 2000s, really, I think the place he's referencing on that, you had three groups of people that typically were in a church and attending a church. You had mm-hmm. the dedicated, they're, they're there consistently. You literally can't keep them away. If somebody in their family dies, that morning, they're going to figure out how to make arrangements around that, get to church, and then go take care of the death. I mean, they're just coming no matter what. You can't you can't stop them. They're in a wreck. They just call and say, we're going to be late, but we're coming. Um, they're dedicated to church. Then you have people they used to call, he called the convicted. 
And those are people in the community that are showing up at church because they're they're working through something spiritually. God's working on them, trying to get them into church. Uh, some some neighbors talking to them, and so they're convicted to get there. And uh, they're going to get there, and they're going to learn, they're going to grow, and they're going to hear. Hopefully, they're going to hear something from God, which will help connect their conviction to spiritual matters. Uh, but then the last group. Um, is called the culturals. And for years, you had these people that showed up, especially in the Deep South, people who showed up to church to either network, they're trying to build a, a social network, a business network, a friendship network. So church is where it's going to happen. It's like a, club, a group. right? And so there, you got visitors that are going to show up to do that. You got visitors just going to show up because they moved in the neighborhood and they want, to know, they want a church to go to. So they're just random, randomly showing up in your church called the culturals. You have some people that are coming because their boss goes to church somewhere and they want to look good for their boss. It's an image thing. So in the South, you should attend church. So there's this image thing that's happening and I want to show up at church to have a good image at work. Well, somewhere around early 2000s, all that went away. That last group went off the scale of a church attendance. Most churches today, I actually had a, in a Sunday school class this morning, asked my senior citizens, When's the last time you saw a visitor walk into our church that had never been here before and was not brought by somebody that's here? In other words, they right. they just drove by our sign mm-hmm. and pulled in. Yep. They said, hey, I want to try that church. Yep. When's the last time that happened? And to the best of our knowledge, I think it's more than 15 years ago. Mm. Um, we haven't had visitors that don't... People don't just come to church anymore. And so I think, <clears throat> I think churches have to get out of the mindset that somebody if we fix all this up right yeah they'll come to us yep no yeah and, you know the, the, the whole buying a brand new welcome flag that waves or you know yeah. the little arab guy that waves at you in the street or whatever yeah. none of that's going to draw yeah. people into yeah. a church anymore people come to church because they're invited and they're looking for relationships right and i think the church the church the battle the church is losing today and the reason for the decline the reason we let ourselves get this far down the decline is we stop building relationships. And when we stop building healthy relationships with people um, into outside of the walls of the church, when we stop building those healthy relationships outside, we stopped having an influence there. And I think that changed a ton of stuff. Yeah, and I, and I think like you and I have, have talked about before, the, the whole um, if you build it, they will come mentality went away, you know, a long time ago. It's, it's, it's right. no, that's, that's just no longer a reality. Yeah, the culture is not driving people to spiritual things. It's actually driving them away. Away, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The good news is the two things, um, and we have to recognize that change. We have to we have to realize that things have yeah. changed. They're the next the generation is looking for purpose and meaning, mm-hmm. and the church can answer all of that. Huge, huge. So. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our feedback episode. We're going to be dropping an extra episode this week, so stay tuned to our social media platforms, and we'll let you know when that will happen. It'll be our report on the Embers to a Flame conference, which we attended in mid-January at Broward Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, so you don't want to miss it.